tuning in to our podcast, Salt and Light, where we'll cover foundational principles for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Enjoy this episode with ears to hear and hearts that listen. So let's go check the facts with your host, also known as my dad, Casey Harrison. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Salt and Light Assembly, where we expose genetically altered Christianity and we replace it with a firm foundation for a relationship with Christ. Let's get some of the housekeeping out of the way, okay? When you have time, go to www.saltandlightassembly.org. That's www.saltandlightassembly.org. Register for our newsletter so you know what the ministry is doing, how we're supporting other ministries, and getting God's Word out there and being the light that the world needs to see. Also, while you're on the website, be sure to check out the section where you can submit a question for our YouTube channel, Real Questions with God's Answers. More videos are going to be coming out, so submit your question. Who knows, the next video could be the answer to the question you asked. And if you have a question, other people have a question as well. But this is the next to last episode in our Matthew Genealogy of Jesus series. And before we get into the scripture here, Matthew 1.16, I've got to tell you, I love musicals. Broadway musicals are my favorites. Um, Actually, Wicked on Broadway is my favorite musical of all time. I know some people are going to laugh about it. Frankly, I don't care. But it's a great musical. In fact, one of my favorite songs in that musical is Defying Gravity. It's time to try Defying Gravity. Great song. Awesome. Gives me chills when I listen to it. But isn't that what we all try to do? We try to defy gravity. We try to defy our limitations. We try to defy the inevitable. We try to defy Newton's law. What goes up must come down. Basically, humanity has tried for thousands of years to defy what seems to be impossible. Flying. Came up with the airplane, but even that has to come down. Space travel. We went to the moon. We sent Barney to Mars. He hit a rock and we hadn't heard from him, so we had to send another one. Many great movies are seemingly movies about impossible things. Like the Avengers, Star Wars, P.S. I Love You. (laughs) Okay, maybe not that last one. But sometimes finding that kind of love does seem impossible. The scripture we've arrived at today is where God actually defies impossibility. Check out Matthew 1.16. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born the Son of God. Really look at that scripture, because God doesn't credit Jesus as the son of Joseph, but God does recognize Joseph's position in the home of Jesus. One of the most difficult things for some of us to realize and to recognize is someone else's position in what they're doing, especially when they don't hold the same values that we do. Now, I don't have enough information about Joseph. Scripture doesn't give enough context to confirm or deny whether or not he had similar values to God. But I can look back at Joseph's genealogy to see the bloodline of David. And when I look at the bloodline of David, they didn't always hold God's values. Take Solomon, for example. He had over 700 wives, even though God physically appeared to him 
and warned him not to do that. Specifically, he warned him not to marry women outside of the Israelite people. Look at 1 Kings 11 when you get time. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Amorite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you. And Solomon clung to these women in love. Let's pause for a second. As we discussed in the Toolbox series, remember, love is a choice. So Solomon chose to love these women in spite of God's warnings. Now back to the scriptures. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. Sounds like God knew what he was talking about. But let's skip down to verse 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning these things, that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord commanded. You see, the cost of this action was that God took the kingdom of Israel away from King Solomon, except for one tribe of Israel. And God said he was going to leave that tribe alone for the sake of David, Solomon's father. And that tribe was the tribe of Judah. Now, as you skip on down the genealogies, another example of people not keeping to God's commands would be Jeconiah. Remember him? We talked about him in previous episodes. He was the one that was released from Babylon. One of the things we didn't talk about in that episode, though, Jeconiah didn't obey God in the same way Solomon didn't obey God, in the same way that the children of Israel didn't obey God. So God ended up cursing Jeconiah and his bloodline. And you can read all about this in Jeremiah 22, specifically Jeremiah 22:30. Thus says the Lord, Write this man down as childless, a man who shall not succeed in his days, For none of his offspring shall succeed in sitting on the throne of David and ruling again in Judah. Jeconiah's bloodline was cursed in very similar fashion to the way humanity was cursed in the garden. When I read this in Jeremiah, it kind of tripped me up a little bit. It took me a little while to figure things out as far as how Jesus could be born. And it took a lot of research because God cursed this bloodline. So I want you to stick with me. I'm going to give you a little bit more information. I know this is a lot of information all at once. But listen, Jeconiah is specifically mentioned in the genealogy of Christ. Jesus is the rightful heir to the throne of David because of the bloodline of Jeconiah, right? Tribe of Judah. It was prophesied that the Son of God would come from that tribe, the tribe of Judah. But Jeconiah was cursed so that none of his descendants, none of his descendants would ever have a rightful place on the throne of Israel, King David's throne. So it looks, from the outside looking in, as an impossible situation, right? How can Jesus take the throne? When you ask questions like, this is impossible, it's important to remember, for God, nothing is impossible, But in order to remember that for God, nothing is impossible, we have to recap on what we know about God and his characteristics. God is good. God is love. God is justice. God cannot lie. 
which means when God says something, he cannot go against what he said. Basically, God is the only being that can limit himself. So then, how did God do the impossible and be born into a world fulfilling all 43 prophecies about the Messiah after he's cursed Jeconiah? Here's how, and I'll try to make this as simple as possible. In the genealogy of Matthew, it goes from Abraham to Jesus. Now, this gives the genealogy support that Jesus is the rightful heir to the throne of Israel. It provides concrete evidence that Jesus is in the king's order or the king's bloodline. But we just learned that the bloodline that Matthew talks about is cursed. And it's a curse that says no person born of this bloodline is going to inherit the throne of David. Now, hold on to that part. We're going to come back to it in a second. Let's go to the, uh, a different book of the Bible, Luke. Because in Luke, there's another genealogy of Jesus Christ. And most scholars, historians, and theologians agree that the genealogy that's found in the book of Luke is actually the genealogy of Mary. Now, I wasn't quite sure about this, so I did my research for myself, and I came to the consensus, yeah, I do believe it's the genealogy of Mary. In my research of the genealogy in Matthew and the genealogy in Luke, I found that the differences between the two genealogies only go back to the sons of David, the second king of Israel. Matthew's genealogy goes through Solomon to get to David, while Luke's genealogy goes through Nathan to get to David. And then from David back to Abraham, it syncs up quite nicely. You see, Solomon was one of four sons that was born to David and Bathsheba. And Solomon was the one that went on to become the third king of Israel, the king's bloodline to fulfill the prophecy in 2 Samuel 7, 12-13, and in Isaiah 9-7. through Now, Nathan was another son born to David and Bathsheba. But Nathan didn't sit on the throne. Yes, he had a royalty bloodline, but he had no claim to the throne of David after Solomon had a kid. So that's the two differences between Solomon and Nathan, and the differences between the genealogy of Matthew and the genealogy of Luke. So they're both priestly bloodlines. But there's also another prophecy that we need to examine as well. Another important fact. And that's the prophecy that says the Messiah will be of the priestly order of Melchizedek. Now, as far as the law is concerned, the priestly order is Levitical, the Levites. But Melchizedek predates the Levitical order and the tribe of Levi. Now, if you read the genealogy in Luke, you can find Melchizedek in that genealogy. Jesus came from the high priestly order that predated the law. The origin story of Jesus contains both royal bloodlines and a priestly lineage. Both Joseph's bloodline and Mary's bloodline go back to King David through the tribe of Judah, and both lines go back to Melchizedek. It's like answer and confirmation all in the same family. But remember when I said we're going to come back to the whole curse of Joseph? You know, the curse that God placed on Jeconiah we just talked about? Well, we're back. Check this out. Mary was betrothed to Joseph before the angel came and told her that she was going to conceive the Son of God, back in Luke chapter 1, 26-38. Joseph wasn't married to Mary 
prior to Mary giving birth to Jesus. Because in the eyes of God, the only way that you can be married is if you have sex together and come together to be one flesh. That's important for a lot of different reasons. It confirms that Jesus didn't come from the seed of the cursed bloodline. Joseph, for lack of a better term, was actually the stepfather to Jesus, or adopted father. Mary was the pure blood bloodline that Jesus needed to come through so God could bypass the curse that he gave to Jeconiah. But Joseph was the titled bloodline that God needed to fulfill the prophecy that Jesus would come from the royal bloodline. That's why in Matthew 1.16, God is very specific on how he had Matthew write the genealogy. Check it out. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary. God didn't credit Joseph with Jesus being the son of Joseph. But God did honor the position that Joseph had in the earthly family of Jesus. And then when Mary married Joseph, Jesus became the adopted son to Joseph and the rightful heir to the throne of David, the firstborn. God defied the impossible. Now, some of you might be asking, all that information is great. I never thought of it that way. But how can that possibly apply to me today? That's well, actually quite simple. Not necessarily easy, like you've heard me say before, but simple. There's many situations that we find ourselves in that feel impossible. Especially when we have to honor someone in a position that we don't want them to be in. Let's get political for a second. Are you mad that Biden is the president? That's okay. You're allowed to have your feelings. And you still have to show honor to the position that President Biden is in. Agree with him or not, honor to the position. Let's take it back to the last presidency. Were you mad that Trump became the president? Well, history shows that a lot of people were. Let me ask you, were you one of the people that honored the office of the presidency regardless of who was in there? Or did you disagree with the position that he was given because of the man that was in it? Now let's take it to a personal level. And this one kind of hits home with me. Are you divorced with kids? Has your spouse remarried? Guess what? You're in a similar position that God was in. That man in the other household will never be the father of your kid. Fact. While at the same time, you still are supposed to honor the position that that man is in within that household. When you're not around your kid and your kid's not with you, he's the one protecting them. Believe me, this is probably one of the hardest pills that I had to swallow. I'm not perfect. I don't have all of this figured out. And I have been through a divorce. I do have a child with my ex-wife. She is remarried. And when God started dealing with my heart that I have to honor the position of my daughter's stepfather, that was difficult to do. He'll never be her father. I know that I will always be El Shaddad to my daughter. And I also know that I can't always be around because of what happened in the divorce. And honestly, I want to give honor where honor is due. It's taken me a while to get here, but 
He's watching over her as if she is his own child. I gotta say, I'm blessed. Because for every topic that me and my daughter's stepfather disagree on, we don't disagree on her safety and security. Now, do you have to be best friends with someone to honor them? Absolutely not. That's not the point. But you do have to choose to love over your own selfish feelings. You might not be divorced, but you might have that boss that just really gets under your skin. Yeah. Honor him. If you're not going to honor him, honor his position. You might be really angry with your spouse. Honor them. If you're not going to honor them, honor their position they have in the house. What about that annoying coworker that just happens to be your partner? Yes, even them. Honor them or at least honor the position that they have in that situation. Here's one that everybody should honor. The police. Whoa. Hit a hot topic there. The police officer that pulled you over because you were going 85 and a 55 or that saw something suspicious and wants to protect you and your family, honor that police officer. If you're not going to honor the police officer, honor the position of authority. Whoever has authority over you legally, spiritually, or physically, honor their position and you'll be doing the impossible because you'll be doing the exact opposite of what your sin nature wants you to do. And when you honor that position over your own feelings, then you're honoring God. And in return, God will honor you. Joseph honored God by sticking with Mary and not breaking off the engagement or going through with the marriage and then divorcing her quietly, as Scripture says. And then God turned around and honored Joseph by trusting him to raise Jesus, God in flesh. Jesus told us to learn of him, to become more like him, to build our relationship with him and let him transform us. We talked about that last week with generous Jesus. And if you follow those steps and you learn of him, watch and see God defy impossibilities through your hands. So now it's time to go through this week and examine yourself. See where you're not honoring someone else. See how you can honor someone else. Use your anger to honor. Use your sadness to honor. Use your feelings to honor. And do it out of a method of honoring God. Jesus said, when you do for the least of these, you're doing it unto me. Let God defy the impossible situations in your life. And then be sure to tune in next week for the last episode of the origin story of Jesus, which is the last episode for this season of Salt and Light Assembly. Don't worry, we will be back. Also remember to submit your questions for the YouTube channel through our website, www.saltandlightassembly.org. And while you're there, check out different ways that you can support this ministry where you can honor someone else. There's three ways that you can support the ministry right now, and you can find all those on the website. And before you go there, I just want to thank you in advance. It's because of your faithfulness and generosity that we're able to continue to get God's Word out to people that need it. It's not me that's empowering disciples. It's you. You're building disciples 
and being the church. I'm just the mouthpiece that the Holy Spirit's currently using. I love you guys. And until next time, be bold, be strong, and be blessed. Jesus. Jesus.